Hello everybody, this is Scott from Zonisodes. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of a peek under the hood. You see, we started looking at these Twilight Zone episodes all the way back in 2017. And as I record this, it's 2022. You see, we took a bit of a hiatus that turned into about a four-year gap completely entirely my fault but we are back and we are recording new episodes but before we get those new episodes out we wanted to re-release the original show so you can get caught up with all of the old episodes before we dive in to some of the new ones so these first 19 shows are going to be a bit dated you're going to hear us talk about the bright future of 2022 and you're going to hear us talk about a new twilight zone show by jordan peele that's coming out that now has run its course of two seasons so just bear with with us and when we get to episode 20 which is elegy those will be brand new shows thank you again for checking us out we ask you to go to our new website not the one i talk about at the end of this show but our new website anchor.fm slash zonisodes that's anchor.fm slash zone dash i dash sodes so you can see all the places you can subscribe to the podcast as well as check out our social media we would love to hear from you and please 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 if you could give us a like give us a review it really does help the show grow thanks so much and on with the show there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between radio and bar talk, between commentary and recaps, and it lies between the pit of man's Netflix subscriptions and the summit of his binge-watching ability. This is the dimension of podcasting and the Twilight Zone. These are the Zonisodes. And now your hosts... Brandon Davis and Scott McFarland. And hello to all of you out there in podcast world. This is the Front Row Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Brandon Davis, and uh, this is the podcast for people who actually like movies and sometimes TV, depending on what it is. But uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, this is a our uh, this is our what episode of Zona? We're covering episode 13 of the Twilight Zone here for Zona Sodes. And um, we're actually entering the 60s for the first time. This episode actually aired on January 1st, 1960. And uh, it's called The Four of Us Were Dying. And um, this is quite an episode. We, uh, we talked about last time when we covered uh, What You Need about how it was a little plot sort of expanded for half an hour. This is a lot of plot squeezed into a half an hour, I feel like, in this episode. So uh, I have here with me uh, Scott McFarland. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing well. I'm rocking uh, the uh, Clayface episode. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of a Clayface type, <laughs> type thing. Before we uh, actually dig into what we think about the episode, give everyone the plot synopsis first. I would love to. So Arch Hammer is a con man with the most mafioso name I've ever heard. Arch has a special gift. He can reshape his face and his hairline, it would seem, in order to become another person. He uses this gift to con people out of their money and to get with lounge singers. He's a real classy guy. When Arch makes himself look like a dead criminal and steals money from a crime boss, he must quickly change his face to that of a boxer. Unfortunately for Arch, that boxer's dad finds him and lets him know just how bad of a son he truly is. 
Later, as Arch is being arrested from a cop, I guess, who was looking for him, but we never really understand why or how, he transforms again into a boxer, the boxer, only to find the dad on the street corner with a gun. The father decides the son has done too much to deserve to live, and our episode ends with Arch being shot. And here's what Rod had to say. And uh, for an episode that has a lot, he has a lot to say. Uh, surprise, <laughs> surprise, surprise. His name is Arch Hammer. He's 36 years old. He's been a salesman, a dispatcher, a truck driver, a con man, a bookie, and a part-time bartender. This is a cheap man, a nickel and dime man, with a cheapness that goes past the suit and the shirt, a cheapness of mind, a cheapness of taste, a tawdry little shine on the seat of his conscience, and a darkroom squint at a world whose sunlight has never gotten through to him. But Mr. Hammer has a talent, discovered at a very early age. This much he does have. He can make his face change. He can twitch a muscle, move a jaw, concentrate on the cast of his eyes, and he can change his face. He can change it into anything he wants. Mr. Archie Hammer, jack of all trades, has just checked in at thirty at three eighty a night with two bags and some newspaper clippings. A most odd talent and a master plan to destroy some lives. So that's what Rod has set up for us. And uh, it is interesting. You were talking about last time about how um, we don't always need to know the reason things happen in certain episodes. And we never know why exactly he can change his face. We just know that he can. No, and um, this is probably something I should say that I didn't like, but since you mentioned it, uh, we also, the way he changes his face changes. So the, the first part of the episode, it seems like he can change it well. Uh, you know, we see him change a couple times in the mirror when he's shaving. And then when he goes to, uh, talk to the, uh, to the lounge singer, he seems to be able to change without a problem. But then when he's running away from the, from the, uh, the, the mafia, uh, he has to find, he has to find a picture to change into instead of being able to change into what I would assume is his real face. Which later on again, when he's running away from the detective in the revolving door, he's able to change yeah. his face immediately. So I, I, I don't understand how this works, and I don't think the writers do either. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it's very it's very uneven um, in terms of that. But I do think I do think this episode is saved because of a few of the actors in it and the atmosphere that's created in this episode. I really like the atmosphere in this episode, um, which we may have a difference of opinion on, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) for those watching the YouTube video, we do. (laughs) But uh, before we get into that, uh, just what were your first, uh, what are your initial impressions of this episode? Yeah, this one I haven't seen as much as some of the other ones, but it is on kind of rotation with, uh, with um uh the rest of them so you kind of catch it every now and then uh in terms of the episode itself it's an interesting concept uh the idea that you can have multiple uh uh backgrounds and multiple lives and i like the fact that we go to the dark side and if you have this power you're you potentially could be using it for not so good um uh yeah that's that's basically it in a nutshell. It's it's an interesting concept. Now, does it work? Um, 
some parts do. Uh, I think uh, the scene where he is uh, trying to be the dead criminal uh, is, is played well. And I kind of like how he kind of uses that to his advantage, but there's other scenes too. Like whenever he's the boxer, it's just kind of melodramatic. So it kind of goes back and forth. Yeah. I, um, I, this is one that I think I recall seeing at some point, but I hadn't seen it in a while, but um, parts of it work for me and parts of it don't, as I said, and I think some of the parts that work for me don't work for you, but uh, <laughs> I do, I do, you know, it's interesting because I've said this episode crams a lot into 24, 25 minutes and uh, you've, uh, you've really got sort of, even though you've got this main character of Arch Hammer, you've got four main actors who are carrying this episode during little bits of it. So it's really, it's really interesting to me that, um, and, and that's, that's kind of a lot to be able to keep track of four kind of protagonists in one episode of a twilight zone because you're constantly shifting. But, um, let's, uh, let's get started though. First, um, Harry Towns who plays the actual arch hammer. What do you think of him, his performance? I think he plays it well. He he yeah. kind of comes off as a as an everyman who is obviously a con man, and uh, I, I kind of like just his his look. I've seen him in other things. I'm not sure where, but he has that kind of character actor look that I think I've seen before. Um, and I, I just like the way he plays it off. Like when the one guy chases him out of the the bar, thinking he's the musician, uh, and um, he just kind of plays it off like I have no idea who the hell you're talking to. It's just yeah. it's, it's done well. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's he's just got one of those one of those looks that, you know, not I don't think a lot of actors have anymore that sort of character actor look who can kind of fit any part or whatever. But but he um, he, he does a good job. And I, I think I think the four actors all do OK. You know, uh, like I said, Don Gordon, who plays uh, Marshak, the boxer, I think is the most melodramatic probably because we see him the least out of anybody um but when we do see him they're really melodramatic scenes and he doesn't really get to do a whole lot i like i like ross martin who plays johnny foster the jazz musician i think his scene with beverly garland who plays the lounge singer is actually pretty good it gives you quite a lot of um a lot of backstory in a short little scene. You kind of understand the history that they have together and everything and the little time they get to play together. But, um, but all in all, I think that Rod cast four very different, but very good actors and like the four little acts of this episode that he sets up. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, I also, uh, you know, I like that Arch is despicable, but we kind of get yeah. his internal monologue. Like when uh-huh. he's done, you know, trying to get the lounge singer to move with him to Chicago. I, I don't know how it's going to yeah. play out because Arch doesn't seem like a guy who's going to run off with somebody. So I don't know uh, yeah. if that, I, we obviously don't ever find out how that's going to end, but I doubt he's going to meet her at 1206 for the train. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do like when he goes outside and he starts thinking, I've never been with somebody that, that good looking. I could, and why shouldn't I? It was just, it's, it's very despicable, but it's, it's, it's yeah. fun to hear his inner monologue, trying to explain to himself why he should be using somebody like that. It's, it's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting episode. Um, let, let's talk about first though. Um, what do you think works best in the episode? Uh, the characters, the, uh, the actors who are portraying the four people. Um, Mm -hmm. I, again, I think the weakest one is the boxer because he just looks Uh like a doof. 
Um, and he doesn't say much. He just kind of has his mouth open, much like, you know, kind of obviously Rocky doesn't come out for another 20 years from this point, but <laughs> he, he, he's definitely going to Rocky face to him. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I think, uh, the uh, the musician has done well. Uh, Arch himself has done well, um, and uh, I think the criminal um, and I'm blanking all their names right now. But I think he does the yeah. best. Yeah. Um, and I, I, again, I think I think when he's trying to to con money out of the the mafia is one of the best scenes, just because he he plays it so well. Uh, you know, when when the guy asks, "When you were in the water, did you?" and he's like, "Yeah, I'm a ghost." <laughs> I just <laughs> I, I just played well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say that scene's the best scene in the whole episode, I think, just because it's, it's clever. And, and, and when you're watching it, you're like, okay, this is really, this is really something we haven't seen on Twilight Zone yet, I don't think. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the cast works for me. And, and, and I'll get into it now. I, I, I sort of alluded to it in the last show, but, um, I, I don't think the, the choice to, uh, uh, to, to use the neon signs and everything in this episode was necessarily budget. I think it was sort of more of a uh, artistic choice. I think it gives it kind of a real sort of film noirish theatrical look to it. Um, I think that it gives it, and, and a lot of times the angles are shot at, at, at weird angles. You know, you see uh, you see sort of down angles a lot and everything. I, I think I think it's sort of the mood that whoever directed this episode, John Brom, I think that he's trying to give it sort of that old school film noir kind of feel to it. But maybe maybe because it's television and they don't have as big a budget as movies, it doesn't come off as well. But I get what they were trying to do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with you on the intent of the director because I don't know yeah. and the intent of the uh the, the set designer, but, yeah. and this goes back to, you know, we've kind of talked about this a couple of times because we're taking this on episode, uh, episode to episode. Yeah. And so we're seeing these as they came out. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a startling contrast for me that, as I kind of mentioned in the last episode, we have a, we have a streetscape last episode. The, a lot of the stories dealt with on a street, we have real buildings. It's very much kind of a urban setting. There's cobblestone street. Um, it just looks like they filmed outside. And then we go to this episode and the neon lights. Okay, fine. It's the big city and they're just kind of wow. using it as a backdrop. But when he walks by a door and the, you can see around the door because it's actually obviously a set piece that's on, it looks like something I made when I was on stage crew at Moldine high school. Like you have the <laughs> riser with the caster yeah. so you can move it back and forth and you got the door frame. That's yeah. all it was. And it just, for me, it was very jarring. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, for, for me, the, I think when the, um, the, the time where it looks a little, the time where it is a little jarring is probably when the mafia guys are chasing after him and he changes from the mafia guy into the boxer. That little alley looks a little fake, <laughs> but, um, a little, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, who knows, you know, it could have been an artistic choice or maybe this was a week where they were shooting where a back lot wasn't available to them and they had to shoot on the sound stage or, you know, some, Something like that, but you know, for for me, it wasn't quite as jarring as I think. I get what they were trying to do, and I think the score is what sort of set it off for me. And by the way, the the jazzy score for this episode was done by Jerry Goldsmith, 
who did the score for Planet of the Apes and The Omen and one of, and Chinatown, which is one of my all-time favorite scores of all time. Oh, sir, 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 you're missing the biggest one. Let's see, which one am I? Um, Star Trek, the motion oh. picture. Oh, okay. Which I would guess. later become the TNG theme, since we talked about Next Generation a couple episodes ago. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, Jerry Goldsmith did... Um, uh, did some of the more iconic uh, ones. He did the motion picture. Uh, he did part. I know he did first contact and insurrection. Uh, he may have done a couple more in between, but yeah. So, I mean, but when you listen to the next generation, that is the motion picture theme, which is Jerry Goldsmith. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, a, a, a legendary composer at the very start of his career doing this. And it, it is a, it's a very different score than what we've heard on Twilight Zone so far. It has a very jazzy feel to it. And uh, so it, so it gives it that sort of old school film noir feel to it for me too. Um, but um, I know that we kind of, you, you, I, I think it's kind of what works about this episode. You kind of don't think it works in this episode, but what else don't you think works in this episode? Uh, for me again, as much as the last two episodes I've talked about how I like that when you kind of leave it open and vague, I, I wish they would have at least kept with their own science on this. Uh, as Rod says in his narrative, he can kind of move his face around and twitch his muscles and move his jaw. Fine. That makes sense. But why does he have to look at pictures to remind him only a couple of the times when a couple of times he doesn't. And I, I would have liked, I mean, I like he always wears that hat. It would have been nice if he had to wear the hat because he can't change his hairline. <laughs> that, that, that would have made things a little more interesting. But the fact that they obviously just had different actors play, uh, it kind of made that little point a little weaker. The other thing that didn't make sense to me, uh, well, uh, and I already mentioned that the, the scenes with the, the boxer and the dad were a little melodramatic. I think mm-hmm. more so it was because of the actor playing the dad was mm-hmm. very deadpan and just like, yeah. you're a terrible person. Like yeah. you, you could have played that a little better. It's really noticeable after he shoots him because he's laying yeah. on the street, his face is changing and the dad's just kind of sitting there holding the gun. Like I've done what I need to do. I'm just going to stand here now. I'm waiting till the director says cut. You just, you just, I don't care who your son is. You just shot your son and killed yeah. him. You should show a little emotion, whatever yeah. that emotion is. You should show it. The only other thing that kind of stands out for me that was kind of weak about the episode is, again, all of a sudden, Arch is back in his hotel room or his uh, hotel room, apartment, whatever, and a detective shows up. And there has been no discussion at all about this detective the entire episode. It's just kind of, hey, I found you. I don't know why. And we were never told why any of that is happening. And it just, it seems to be only there just to get Arch to go onto the, the street. Yeah. And there would have been, an, you, he's obviously got to go meet this girl at 1206 for the train. So there's no reason for the detective to be there except for just to get him out there. And there's other reasons to do that. So it's just, it seems like a tacked on piece that didn't make much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to mention the, the cop thing. I mean, we know that Arch hammers this con man and I'm sure he's committed felony after felony but still we don't necessarily understand who this guy is and why he's chasing him and also the 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 boxer and the father thing and also i just i don't understand you know the i i feel like the whole climax with them is too rushed i mean you've just seen your son after i don't know how long and 
you just go from seeing him to wanting to shoot him. You're not even going to try and discuss anything with him or talk it out or anything. But, uh, but, but yeah, that, that seems a little rushed for me. But other than that, I think the, I think the performances in this episode work very well. Um, but, you know, once again, though, we've seen and watching the episodes the way we have, it's really noticeable when you've seen stronger episodes just a little bit before this, where if you're just watching it as a random rerun, this episode could stand out for me a little bit more, probably. But as I've seen it as compared with ones that we've just seen previous, um, it, it it becomes a little more on the average or a little bit above average side for me. Yeah, I can see that. So, as we uh, before we get to um, ranking this on our uh, scale, uh, what are your final thoughts about this episode? Yeah, it's an interesting theme. Uh, it's an interesting look at things in terms of uh, having several actors play the same character. And again, I like the fact that it's a it's a it's a con man and a criminal that we're following because it allows for the more darker side of things. Um, it's an episode again that when it pops up, it's it's not one I have to watch, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also not a bad episode either. Yeah, which is I, kind uh, of the kind of the the uh, the motif we're going for in the past few episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I've as I mentioned before, um, I I feel like this was an episode that crammed a lot into a short period of time, so we don't get the exposition that we always would. You know, I, we don't need exposition on everything. But sometimes you need a little bit more, and I think maybe maybe if he had only become two characters instead of three, we'd get a little more time um, in order to do that. But uh, like I said, the four actors are good. Um, I think this is an interesting um, an interesting take that Serling's done. It's a little bit of a fresh idea that we haven't seen yet on Twilight Zone, which is interesting. Um, I think we'll see stronger things like it down the road here. But um, like, like I said. Um, an, an interesting choice, but probably once you stack it up against other episodes that we've just seen or coming up, it's probably not going to stand out as much. Yeah. But, yep. uh, but now as we, uh, as we kind of draw here to the close and we do our scale of uh, one to 10 here, Scott, where would you uh, rank the four of us are dying? Uh, this is going to, I'm kind of falling into a little rut here with, uh, average episodes. And I, I think this is no better or worse, uh, than the couple of other ones we've seen. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give it another five. It's an average episode. I, yeah. I, um, I like this episode better than what you need, the one we'd seen before, but I don't think it's as good as, um, as the one from two weeks ago. So I'm, I'm actually going to give this one a five as well. I'm going to put this on the average side. So um, an interesting episode, but still we're, we've seen stronger and we're going to see even stronger down the road. So, Absolutely. Uh, so um, we, we come to the conclusion of this episode before we do our uh, final, final stuff here. Let me tell you what uh, Rod said here at the closing of this episode. He was Arch Hammer, a cheap little man who just checked in. He was Johnny Foster, who played a trumpet and was loved beyond words. He was Virgil Sterig, with money in his pocket. He was Andy Marshank, who got some of his agony back on a sidewalk in front of a cheap hotel. Hammer, Foster, Sterig, Marshak. And all four of them were dying. 
but she doesn't end with saying in the twilight zone, which is interesting. But <laughs> so uh, before we leave here, Scott, let people know where they can find us. You can find us at the front row movie reviews.com. Uh, also too, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to like, and subscribe. We come out with episodes every Friday. Uh, and we're going to be doing this for another 143 episodes. <laughs> if you're checking us out on the podcast, uh, audio side of things, uh, please make sure you give us a review and, uh, and, uh, rate, uh, and rate us as well. So we can check, find our way onto other people's search engines. And you can also check out our other shows, uh, Brandon hosts classics. He's got like 15 in the can that, We'll come out one of these days. <laughs> Two. <Yeah. laughs> okay. No, three. 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 <laughs> By the time this airs, you'll have two because I think one's dropping like tomorrow. But <laughs> I, I think. Um, and I, I host flashbacks as well, and we will be getting back into that, I swear. Although by the time this is aired, we probably will have dropped an episode. This is what happens when we record early. I don't know what day it is. Um, but yeah, go, go check us out, and uh, please make sure to uh, share us with your friends too. We lo- we uh, would love to get some feedback and uh, to get more people checking us out because we are two handsome guys who need to be checked out. True, true. All right. We look better than a boxer. Oh, my now nose is kind of... Now, now that I can get behind. I can, um, I, I can get the look, though. <laughs> All right. Well, as we, as we close out of episode... Uh, as we close out of this episode and head into next week, um, I am Brandon Davis... I'm Scott McFarlane. Yeah. <laughs> and we will see you on the couch. You're Adrian. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zonisodes. Zonisodes is a special presentation of the Front Row Movie Reviews podcast. For more information, go to www.thefrontrowmoviereviews.com.